What's up? Welcome to episode 112 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Whether you're listening to this on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcast, or you're watching this on YouTube, uh, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate you being here. And the NFL is back tonight. I am so excited. The NFL is my favorite sport to watch and cover on this podcast. Uh, There's no shortage of things to talk about when the NFL is in play. And the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs open up against the Houston Texans tonight. I have put my prediction out on social media. I have the Chiefs over the Texans 31-17. to I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the show. But I want to start the show with the NBA playoffs. The Eastern Conference Finals, one half of it is set. We have a Game 7 in the other half of the Eastern Conference Semifinals to be played between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. The winner will face the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat pulled off the upset of the playoffs, knocking out the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks, the best team in the regular season, beating them in five games. And Jimmy Butler was just the man during this series. And the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, since the restart, they just weren't the same team. They didn't play like the best regular season team. They had the best record, not only in the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA this year. And ever since the restart, playing in Orlando in the bubble, they just weren't the same team. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league. And Giannis Antetokounmpo was playing like the best player in the NBA. And he's likely going to win his second regular season MVP in a row. And he just wasn't the same since the restart. And he did get injured in game four of this series. At the end of game four, he rolled his ankle a little bit and then did not play in game five. And that doesn't sit too well with me. Now, obviously, if the injury is extremely severe and he is literally not able to move around at all on the floor in terms of jogging up and down the floor, uh, making a drive to the basket. If he's not able to do that, then that's fair. But he was on the sideline walking around, standing up. uh, During the fourth quarter, he was standing up the majority of the time, at least in my observation. I could be wrong on that, but it looked like he was standing every time the camera was cut to him. To me, if he's standing up and if he's walking around on the sideline, he can play. And I know 100% for sure LeBron James would have been playing if he had rolled his ankle. The late Kobe Bryant, doesn't matter what the injury is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He's going to play. The only thing that kept him out was a torn Achilles. And he still shot two free throws, made them both, and then had to be taken off the floor. And that was in a meaningful game against the Golden State Warriors, a game they needed to win to secure a playoff spot back in the 2012-2013 season. And we know that Michael Jordan would have played and a lot of other NBA greats and current NBA superstars would have played. And Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't play. And I feel like, you know, that that's a problem. Uh, for the MVP of the league to not play in a, an elimination game, it's one thing to miss maybe game two or game three of a series, but in an elimination game where you're down 3-1, you just came off of a victory where your team pulled it out without you on the floor. I feel like Giannis should have stepped up and said, listen, I need to play. I can do this. I'm fine. 
a, a moment that sticks out in my mind is Isaiah Thomas for the Detroit Pistons against the Los Angeles Lakers playing on basically a balloon ankle, rolled his ankle and it swelled up really bad. And he still went out there and played and was getting buckets. To me, Giannis should have done the same thing. I understand he's young. You want to preserve his career, but it's an elimination game in the playoffs. I mean, I would have played. Clearly, I'm no, I'm not an athlete at all, and I'm not a great basketball player. But my mentality is as I would have played, and I know a lot of the other NBA greats would have played, and it just doesn't sit well with me knowing he's going to be a two-time NBA regular season MVP. And he was on the team that had the best record in the NBA this season. And they just couldn't do anything since the restart. They just weren't the same team. It doesn't sit well with me. And now Giannis is going to be up for grabs here pretty soon. The Los Angeles Clippers are interested. The Miami Heat, the team that just took him out, they could go and pick him up after this season. And there's plenty of other teams that are going to want to vie for his services too. One of the best two-way players in the NBA. He's not a tremendous three-point shooter, although he's improved in that area. He's not a tremendous three-ball three shooter, but he's gotten better. He's incredibly strong, incredibly long, can jump from the free-throw line and dunk over somebody. It's ridiculous. His athleticism and his ability to get to the basket with his strength and length is unmatched. And then with his defensive ability, He's easily a top three player in this league, but because you're a top three player, I think you have a responsibility to play in an elimination game. Like I said, if it was game one or game two, or maybe even game three, maybe you sit out, but if it's just a rolled ankle and you're in an elimination game, I think you got to play. You have to, period, point blank. But I want to shift to something now the Brooklyn Nets hired a new head coach recently, Steve Nash. And I know I'm a little late to the party on this, but Stephen A. Smith made comments about this hiring when it first went down, and then he has spoken about it in recent days. And I had a problem with his initial comments, and I still have a problem with a little bit of his rationale for why... I'll just explain it to you. So he... He basically believes, Stephen A. believes that Steve Nash was hired because of white privilege. Or maybe that's not the best way to put it. That's kind of taking it out of context. He believes Steve Nash is a, a heck of a basketball mind. Obviously one of the greatest players in NBA history, one of the greatest point guards, greatest passers, certainly an intelligent guy, and could be capable of being quality head coach in this league but with the lack of diversity in NBA coaching staffs particularly with African American coaches Stephen A. Smith feels that the system that's in place prevents black coaches from getting coaching gigs and those guys have like the same resume or roughly the same resume as a guy like Steve Nash so basically his argument is a white coach and a black coach have the same resume, a Hall of Fame NBA player, great basketball mind, all-star MVPs, championships, whatever it is, and the white one's going to get hired over the black one. That's his argument. And so I kind of want to counter that. I'm all for diversity 
and I think it's necessary, not just in coaching and professional sports, but just in every career and in every profession. I'm all for diversity, and I think it it's got to be everywhere. But to me, coaching in sports is about one thing, and I think that's ability, and that and it's perceived ability. And I say perceived ability for the new coaches that don't have any coaching experience. I don't think it has anything to do with the color of someone's skin. And to give you a few examples, Derek Fisher and Jason Kidd, both NBA champion players. Derek Fisher is a five-time NBA champion, one of the clutchest playoff performers in NBA history. Uh, He was first in the NBA all-time for career playoff wins, and he just got passed by LeBron James. He's he's an all-time great player and well-respected among people in the NBA. And then Jason Kidd is a champion as well, one of the best point guards ever, one of the greatest passers. Those guys are African-American, and they got head coaching gigs straight out of retirement. Derek Fisher with the New York York Knicks, excuse me, and then Jason Kidd with the Brooklyn Nets. And then Kidd also then moved on to the Milwaukee Bucks, had a little bit of success here and there, but is now an assistant with the Los Angeles Lakers. And then Derek Fisher is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks in the WNBA. Those two right there, and this is in recent years too, this is within the last five or six years. Those two guys got head coaching jobs straight out of retirement. Steve Nash is a two-time NBA MVP, an all-star, one of the greatest point guards ever. He certainly can be mentioned in the same breath as Derek Fisher and Jason Kidd, and he got a head coaching opportunity. I, I don't think, I think with all three of those guys, it's about their perceived ability to be able to coach a group of men and play strong basketball. I think that's what it is. I don't think, I don't think it has anything to do with the color of anyone's skin. I don't think there's, I don't think with coaching in any professional sport, there's a system that prevents black coaches from from getting a job and I'm all for diversity. I think there should be more black coaches and more women getting these opportunities. But to me, in my opinion, I feel like it's just kind of the way it is right now. I think it's just kind of the way it is. It's kind of like the way the cards fell to me. It's about hiring the best coach for your team. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wouldn't have signed off on Steve Nash if they didn't think he was going to be a great coach. I know Tyron Lue is out there. Sam Cassell is one of the most well-respected assistants in the NBA coaching under Doc Rivers. Tyron Lue is an NBA champion as well with the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. Those are great head coaching candidates, but they just may not have fit what the Brooklyn Nets wanted to do, what Sean Marks wanted to do for that organization. I don't think it has anything to do with the color of anyone's skin or anything like that. I really don't think it does at all. And to kind of shift it over to the NFL, they have the Rooney rule where NFL teams are required to interview black coaches for a position. They don't have to hire them, but they're required to at least give them an interview. To me, that's to me that's just the I don't want to say it's dumb, but it's, it seems almost pointless. So you have to give them an interview, but 
it's pointless if you're not going to hire them anyways. If you're a great coach, you're going to get hired. I, I, I feel like that's, I feel like there's no gray, gray area with that. I think it's, it's black and white. You're either a great coach or you're not a great coach. Period. Point blank. End of discussion, in my opinion. If you're not a great coach, you're not going to get an interview and you're not going to get hired. To say that someone should be entitled an interview or a job just because there's not that much diversity in the field is ludicrous. You give jobs to people who you think best fit that position. And Sean Marks thought Steve Nash was the best to fit that position. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant signed off on it. I don't know what else to say. I really don't know what else to say. I don't think there is an issue with white privilege with coaching in professional sports. I don't see it as an issue. And I don't think Steve Nash was hired because of a a predominantly white coach system. I don't really know if that's the best way to phrase it, but the NBA is made up of mostly white coaches, I guess. And that's just how it is. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. The best coaches are going to get head coaching jobs. Plain and simple to me. But now the last thing I want to talk about here in episode 112 of the Will Ford Show. Week one of the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs against the Houston Texans. I already told you the prediction. The Chiefs are going to win. But I got to tell you why. And I will do a Ford food chain listing the top 10 teams in the NFL that'll come out over the weekend. I won't put it in this podcast, but I will list them uh, in a graphic and I'll put that on social media. Spoiler alert, the Kansas city chiefs would be number one. I think it's, it's just because of their offense. Their offense is so not necessarily dynamic because they don't have the best running game, but their passing attack is just unbelievable. If Tyree kill McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, They added Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is an excellent receiving back out of the backfield. He's not fast, but he's shifty, and he can break a lot of tackles. And I think that's perfect for Andy Reid's offense and perfect for Patrick Mahomes in his third year as, uh, as a starter. Their offense just has so much continuity. And if, like with everybody returning, and if you look at the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson has an entirely new supporting cast around him. DeAndre Hopkins was traded to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson. So he's got a new running back in the backfield, a running back who doesn't have the best of contracts and has been injury plagued over the last couple of years. He hasn't been the same running back, still talented, can be what he once was, but he just hasn't shown it in recent years and with an offensive line that's really not as good, it's kind of the same as what's in Arizona. I don't know if that if he's going to necessarily be the running back he once was. And then they just have an entirely new receiving core as well. They still have Kenny Stills, who was there last year. But they they added Brandon Cooks in a trade with the Los Angeles Rams. Who he is a speedy receiver that Deshaun Watson can throw it up to. They still have Will Fuller, but he is her all the time and it also seems like he either every ball that's thrown to him it's either a touchdown or a drop Uh, there's not a lot of consistency but he can get red hot 
It just depends on if he's healthy. And then they did add Randall Cobb, signed him in free agency. He was with the Dallas Cowboys last year, a great slot receiver, one of the best slot receivers in football, in my opinion. That's a largely new receiving core. And when you you add in that Will Fuller is in and out of the lineup throughout the season, that's not going to make for a lot of continuity. I think the, the Texans are going to start off slow offensively in this game, but really in the first couple of weeks in the season. And it also doesn't help that there's no preseason. So these guys can't really get proper game reps and get used to the speed of the game and develop that chemistry. So it's just not going to be there week one against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not going to be there for probably the next couple of weeks. Kansas City, however, yes, they're also going through the same thing of not having a preseason, but I don't think it's necessarily going to matter because the only addition they made on offense was their running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they've been working with Patrick Mahomes for the last three years, so the continuity is there. And I think they're going to win this game week one, 31 to 17. And the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs that makes them just such a great team, such a great offense, they they lead in every statistical category pretty much. Since Patrick Mahomes took over as a starter, they are first in the NFL in points per game, 31 points per game. I predicted 31 tonight. We'll see if they get there. Uh, They're first in offensive touchdowns. They're first in the number of 21, or excuse me, first in the number of 20 plus yard pass completions. And they're second in uh, total offense uh, in terms of yards per game. Uh, So like, what more do you need? They, They don't need a running game when Patrick Mahomes can throw for 350, 400. It's incredible. And that's why, to me, they would be number one at the top of my Ford food chain. Their defense, they don't need to have a fantastic defense when they can win a shootout, you know, any day of the week against any team. Their secondary has improved over the years. They did bring back Chris Jones on the defensive line. So the interior of that defensive line is going to be solid. But their defense has never been their strong suit. It's always been their offense. And Andy Reid is an offensive-minded coach. And as long as everyone's healthy on that offense, they're going to be humming all year. And I predict this isn't... I don't know if this is necessarily a bold prediction or not. I don't think there's going to be a Super Bowl hangover. I think this is a start of a potential dynasty, a team kind of like New England who is in Super Bowl contention every year, wins you know, six Super Bowls in 20 years, something like that. It could even be like a, you know, four or five Super Bowls in 10 or 12 years. They could be that good. We'll see, but like, they're just such a great offense. And with who they have and the continuity they have created, it's going to make it difficult for the Texans to beat them tonight. And I, I predict, you know, a 12 and 4, 13 and 3 season for the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West, which I argue is the toughest division in the NFL. Uh, especially in the AFC. But Chiefs over the Texans tonight, 31-24. to And then I'm going to make predictions for other matchups around the NFL, probably every other game going on this weekend on Sunday and on Monday Night Football. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 112 of the Will Ford Show. 
Uh, make sure you rate and review the show on iTunes, like and comment on SoundCloud, and then follow me on social media on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. On Instagram, it is at Will Ford Show. And then you can search for my Facebook page. My Facebook profile is under William Ford, because that's my full name. Uh, but then you can just search for the Will Ford page, the Will Ford Show page, excuse me. Uh, and then you can also check me out on YouTube as well. And thank you so much for listening. This has been the Will Ford Show. Thank you.